0: Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Farm Chatter podcast. Um, this episode is being sponsored by Fushlema, Emmanuel Ben-Chano Chinka. Um, uh, for this episode, I'm going to be joined by Rabbi Ruven Chaim Klein, who is the author of, first, Lashon HaKadosh, History, Holiness, in Hebrew. and Hebrew. He's also the author of the book that we'll be focusing on this episode, which is God versus God, Judaism, in the Age of Idolatry. Uh, both are published by Mosaica Press, so thank you Rabbi Klein for joining me.
1: Thank you for inviting me, I'm mamish, I'm, I'm very honored. You know, I was looking at a list of the previous guests that you had over there on your podcast. You have major names of people that i have read their works and have corresponded with them. Israel Mizrahi, David Beshevkin, Mark B. Shapiro, of course, Moshe Maiman, Larry Schiffman, all these people, I've read their stuff and corresponded with them. Yosel Hoisman, I know from the Israel Sfarim and BMG. Shner Burton, I'm a very big fan of his farm and his, the Shiorim, the uh, Charyol uh, Holzer has a son here in Beqar, I have some of his farm also, Yudar Geber, a friend of mine from the Mir, a lot of, he had a lot of Chashev guests before me, so I'm not sure if I could live up to them, but, uh, Mordechai Lebhar, you know, I, I worked with him on a safer from one of the Chashev
0: Persian Rabonim, yeah, I, I guess in that I guess in that sense you fit in you fit into the to the to the rest of the crowd. So why don't you start giving you you alluded to you know some of them, but why don't you give a, a little bit of a background about yourself? So I grew up in uh,
1: North Hollywood or Valley Village, California, which is a neighborhood in LA. I learned in Yeshiva Gadol of Los Angeles uh, three years of high school, two years Beit Spanish. then I came to Israel. I learned in the mirror, by Ravosha Shai I was there for about two years or so. Went to BMG, did the whole, you know, getting married, Shadduchim thing, and then right after we got married, came back to the mirror in 2011, and basically been tracking in Ertz Yisrael since then. Um, uh, that's more or less, uh, in a nutshell, what, I, what I've what i been up to. I taught a little bit in our Sameach, uh, substitute teaching, things like that, but that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's my brief bio.
0: Um so, how did you get into these two topics? Your first book is on Lashon Kodesh. So, we'll, we'll, the Shem, I think you mentioned to me that you already went through, almost finished the second printing, and Shem you can have a third printing. Third, so, third printing. So, yeah. yeah, we're working on the third. Right. So maybe we'll get to we'll get to a podcast, and that is a whole separate show on that on and on Lashon Kodesh. But. Um, First of all, I guess on both. How did you get into researching such, you know, interesting topics? What 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 got you into that? You sound like you went through the regular Shiva system. how'd you get into this?
1: Right. So I mean, first of all, this book the God versus Gods, I think it's a, it's an important topic because you know it's something that comes up over and over in Tanakh. you know, in every single book of Tanakh, almost every single book of Tanakh, you know, it talks about a Venazar and Avanazar is a major feature of the book. Okay, Miguels Rus, it's not such a major it's not such a major point, but in almost every other book in Tanakh, you know, it's a major thing. And when people go through those parts of Tanakh, they just like sort of, if they're going through Tanakh Buklal, they just sort of gloss over those parts. They don't really think about it or they don't talk about it. And they just like, you know, okay, this is what happened. I don't exactly understand what they did or what they were thinking and, and what, what the time against them is, but there's some sort of a time against them for doing something. And then, uh, okay. And then they just continue further along, you know, they don't think about what happened at the Egel Like, what was wrong with Eglazov? What was Israel thinking, and you know, why would, why were they wrong, and why why is it considered a sin? Like, why did Yeravam Benavat you know, erect two golden calves? What was he thinking? Like, why did we we know that Eglazov didn't work? So like, why would this work? Well, all these different things. People don't really you know they don't really analyze let's say Tanakh in the same way that they would analyze like a Gomorrah. So I, I wanted to touch on these topics in that way. I wanted to, you know, wanted to write something, put it together. Also, like people, people, a lot of people don't like to learn Tanakh because, like, ah, oh, that's just the Torah Shavu'chav. So, like, what about the Torah Al-Pet? So people sort of, you know, sort of, they they sort of stay away from the Torah Shavu'chav because they don't want to be led astray by thinking, you know, this is the only thing that happened and these facts are exactly the way it's written without having the full perspective of Chazal and what our tradition has to say. So what I wanted to do was write something. That puts together the Torah Shabbat and the Torah Shabbat. So, a, a, you know, a large portion of my book, a ruba derubah, an overwhelming majority, is just quoting, simply quoting the psukim in English, quoting the Gemaras, the, the Midrashim, the Rishanim, you know, and using that to understand what was going on in the stories in Tanakh. Well, that was one of the reasons why I chose to write on this topic. I thought it was something important, and I thought that I could, I could actually do it. Another point is that I actually like history. Ever since I was a young kid, I used to spend a lot of time you know, reading about history and finding books. And, you know, as a, when I was when I was a little kid, you know, the whole Shalashutas time, I would always find history books in the, in the Shul library. And that's where I'd be sitting there reading, reading history books on, on on Shabbos afternoon. I, I, I like history. And I find, Especially I find the concept of archaeology, I find it a fascinating thing. The problem is that with the academic archaeology and with the academic you know, scholarship in, in history, they have their Nagia's, they have their you know, they have their biases and, and I don't want I don't want anything you know, I don't want to present something wrong because because of their biases. So I figured if I'm gonna work on history and archaeology, I should work on a topic that that if they if the archaeologists or the academics get something wrong, it's it's not such a big deal. if you talk about A and they get wrong they'll, in their in their academic analysis or archaeological analysis. They get wrong a detail that has to do with Avodah Zara, So then it's not a big deal to us. It doesn't change. It doesn't change my Yiddishkeit. You know, if the Baal worshiper had to do it this way or he did it this way. So that's one of the reasons why I felt that you know if I if if I have an interest in history and archaeology, I don't want to take that interest in a way that it could somehow negatively affect my I wanted to take it in a way that you know, if they get something wrong, so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so much. Well, that's one of the other reasons why I chose Dafka to speak about Abedazar. Also because I think it, it's an important topic. I like to write about important, uh, important original topics that nobody else has really written about in English. Like my book on Lashana Kurdish and my book on Abedizar, nobody's really written about these topics in English, at least for a more popular audience. So I think you know it's a, it's 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 worthwhile
0: to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. They they definitely both unique topics and they they are very nice. Uh, I own both of them. Um, but so is it? Were you into Tanakh, besides for the history aspect? Were you? I mean, you kind of mentioned this, but were you always very into Tanakh, And you thought, wow, there's no one that discusses this. Was there a specific inspiration for the topic, or like you said, it just came about from a variety of reasons?
1: Um. I mean, I went out. When I was, obviously, we all learned in, in you know in, in Jewish in the Jewish day school in the Jewish day school system. So it was like in fourth grade we learned like Sefer Yeshua, and in fifth grade we learned Shelvim, and you know they, we did do a little bit of Nach in in elementary school. Then in yeshiva. So actually, our yeshiva when, when I went to in LA yeshiva Gedol Los Angeles, they had a very interesting program. I don't know if they still do this, but the was called the 15 minute seder. And right after Shacharis, every morning there was, a, there was a special 15 minute later where they, the yeshiva themselves paired up the younger bachurim with older bachurim, and everyone had to learn 15 minutes with their fill-in still on. Learn whatever topics you want to learn together. So when I was in ninth grade, the older bachur that I was learning with decided, you know, we should, you know, we should learn, we should learn Nach. Let's learn Navi. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So you know, we, in, in that. I don't remember if it was ninth, and I don't remember exactly how many years it took. But you know, in that framework, we did all of Yeshua Shoftim and, and Melachim. Like I, 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 I've been involved with it, even though you know, in a regular Yeshiva setting, it's not something that people necessarily focus on. But it wasn't something that I was thinking to myself, like, "Oh, I'm going to focus on Tanakhil. That's going to be my expertise." It just you know sort of happened that way. Hmm.
0: Very, very interesting. So something about the book I think that's even interesting that I wanted to just touch on this. when it came out and I got asked this and I've been asked this and mentioned to us that you chose a name God versus Gods I think some people I think it's a cute name but I think people some people were especially like it's geared towards a yeshiva audience I don't know, a general audience a regular from world people were a little bit like I don't know a little bit I thought it was a little weird like what? what why did you choose the name and did you did you anticipate any sort of like not backlash but you know what I mean by that and, and did you get any did you get any feedback okay. So,
1: so LaMaisa, L- L- I myself am not so comfortable with the title of the book. I think the title of the book is a bit too provocative, and it sets it up as a sort of unfair fight. God versus God. So I, like, I don't want to ruin the ending for you, but you know, who wins, right? So, the truth is that I didn't actually choose the name for the, uh, the title of the book. I'm not really so good at coming up with names of books or articles or something like that. Usually, I just consult with my friends or family and I try to see if we could brainstorm something and come up with something good. And if I get enough people that say that, you know, this sounds good, so so we'll do it. So I decided that the title of this book is gonna be Judaism in the age of idolatry. And that's actually the subtitle of the book, Judaism in the Age of Idolatry. And I told it to the publisher to Mosaica Press, and they said, nah, it's too boring. So uh, you know, come out so come up with some other some other titles. So I asked the people and people gave me all kinds of titles. So you know, um one you know someone wrote call it the the, the what was it the the ball what was it the the, the, the ball movement and other abominations the ball movement and other abominations so, so so one other person came up with the title of God versus God. There were, there were a few like so I thought that I'll give them all these funny titles that people suggested to me. They're not gonna like any of them, and then they'll just go with Judaism and the age of ideology. I gave them the list of titles that people that people told me. And they said, Oh, God versus God, it's beautiful, we love it. I'm like, no, 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 don't take it They're like no, 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 this is great, this is so awesome! People are gonna be so into this. I'm like, okay, whatever. I can once they once once they get once they make this decision, you can't fight them. So uh, the same thing with my first book, watching uh, Lashana Kurdish, History, Holiness in Hebrew. So I decided that, you know, the name of the book should be History of the Hebrew Language. and They said, no, 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 no nobody's ever going to buy a book that says the history of anything. It's just too boring. Okay. So they said, they, they came up with the title, Lashon kodesh History of Hellenism in Hebrew. And, then, you know, in lieu of anything better, I said, okay, fine. So we'll, we'll limit that.
0: It, to, to be clear, I, I think the Lashon Akkadosh title is very good. I think that the God versus God is very catchy. Um, and I think, yeah, the Judaism in the Age of Ideology is a good Subtitle. It's not a good title. I agree. It's very dry. I also want to point out, obviously, people can't see this, but the book- I mean, the, what, one issue with the subtitle is that it's not... A
1: lot of people, when they see it, they think, oh, the age of idolatry is nowadays. But the whole point of the book is that, no, the age of idolatry was in the time of Tanakh. But you don't you don't get that from the covers. Like, people are sort of misled about that.
0: Right. Okay, that that's fair. I wanted to point out that also when God you have there's a break in the O you put slashes in it. I assume that was because you didn't want to write it as like a Hashem, Hashem. Is that why that is like that?
1: I believe that that was the publisher's consideration. Yeah.
0: I, it, it, Even no. though in the book itself it says God with well, not G-D. Right. So, right. Did you go through that sugya yeah. here, like with the people doing that today or not? Nah? I, I don't know. Rav has
1: a tshuva about that that, that you shouldn't write God. Uh,
0: others i i have my i have my my sheet is about it but uh it, it's a that a lot of people keep though right okay so so to start the book you mentioned at the outset that there is a book there is a book a safer that that does discuss this topic at least that this is the only one you mentioned i don't know if it's maybe any- we should tell our readers what the book is about should we go first ah uh, good point i think we touched on it so we should we can get back to that we touched on it you're right you should clarify that so Give a broad overview of the book. There's really two parts of this book, and you know, I, I think you call it an appendix, but it's like half the book. So, what are, what is the book about broadly? Um, okay, so the the, fir- the first half of the book really follows the stories of Tanakh
1: in historical order. You know, Adam Rishon, Avram Avinu, the Jews of Mitzrayim, Shertim Melachim, Golis Babel, beginning of Bais the historical narrative of Tanakh, and it goes tries to explain. You know, what extent are the reports of Tanakh saying that Qal Yisrael was doing a bit to what extent does that line up with the reality and you know what extent is Chazal, not Chazal, but what what extent is the is the Navi sort of just exaggerating its criticism against Qal Yisrael for doing certain things they shouldn't be doing or for not being aware of certain things like that so that's you know that's the, the crux of the of the first of the first half going through the story of the Jewish people's relationship the Vedizara throughout the period of Tanakh. And the last chapter is dedicated to uh, the tradition that we have in Chazal that the beginning of the Second Temple period, so they got rid of the Yetzirah for Vedizara. So that's a very controversial point. Like People don't understand what does that mean that they got rid of the Yetzirah for Vedizara. Does that mean there is no Vedizara? Does that mean that people weren't driven towards the Vodizara? What are the ramifications of that? How does it play out? So that's, you know, the whole last chapter is dedicated to this. That's not as much focusing on the narrative, the story, but it's more focusing a lot, of, a lot of machshava ideas or tzaddik or folk, a lot of different people that talk about what that means. Okay, that's the first half. And the second half of the book is, it's, it's I don't call it an encyclopedia. You, you might have been confused with my book on Lashon HaKodesh. I call it the encyclopedia, not an appendix. It's called an encyclopedia. The encyclopedia of different names of Aved as mentioned in Tarach, right? First, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll make an encyclopedia of Avedazara, But there's so many avodasars that were worshipped, you know, throughout history, all the different places that you can't make can't make an encyclopedia of all the avodasars. But if you limit it to just the ones that are mentioned by name in Tanakh, you get about 30, 30 or 30 or so different names of avodasars. So I go through each avodasar has an entry. You know, I go through what what is what was its name, and what does the name mean? If we could figure that out. Who worshipped it? When they worshipped it? You know, if it was an idol, what was the shape of the idol? What did that shape represent? How those, how different uh, deities that are uh, worshipped were equal to other gods and other cults. Different myths, but not too much about the myths. You know, how they worshipped it, if we knew, we know about that. And then uh, different theophoric mentions in archaeological records. You know, you know what a theophoric uh, element is. You are familiar with that concept? So, a, a theophoric element, like, what? what's your name? Your name is Nechemia, I believe, right? Nachi. Nachi. Nachi is short for Nachemia. No, Menachem. Menachem, okay. So let's say your name, was, your name was Nechemia, right? So, the name Nechemia is sort of built on two elements. There's the Nunches Mem element, which means consoling or, or changing your mind or whatever. And then there's the Yud Hey element, which is the name of Hashem. So in the name Nehemia, there's a theophoric element which alludes to the name of Hashem. Right, theo means God in, in Greek. Right, so it, it, in people's names, they have to have in, in their name an allusion to their God. We the find this, you know, all over Tanakh. Yehoshua, so it has the three out of four letters of Hashem's name. You have Chizki Yahu, you got three out of four letters. You have Eli Yahu, so you have a double theophoric. You have the tail and the Yahu at the end. So. The Oiv also did the same thing. You know, they have, uh, you, you have, let's say, um, Ahav's, Ahav's shver, Ahav's father-in-law, his name was Etbal, or Esbal, and so you, in his name was the name of his god, Bal. In archaeology, you have Kamosh Melech, was the king of Moab, his name was Kamosh Melech, and Kimosh was the god of Moab, and so he put his god's name in his personal name. So I, I have an obsession with names, so... So when I was looking at the different names of the of the of the of the gods that the Avde used to worship, I wanted to see where we find these names of Zara in personal names in archaeology. So that was one of the things that I focused on in the encyclopedia, which people told me is irrelevant, but I said, Well, that's my interest, so it's my book
0: okay we'll get a little bit back to that in a minute so what i want to start so that's about the safer so you do mention at the outset as i was touching on before that there is a safer that was written dedicated to this topic called bama's ball which was pretty right which was printed in the 19th century in italy by i believe um his name was bichnania coin from, from regio um, uh-huh. so this i actually I, you can print it on amazon for 2.99 from hebrew books um, print out a copy so what's this had you come across this safer how much How much of uh, inspiration and how much did you rely on it also
1: so I mean his safer it's a very interesting safer it's similar to mine so you know, he goes through the history of Avedizara in, like, like like, the first section of my safer and the encyclopedia where he goes through specific gods so a lot of it is modeled after his sort of structure and he brings a lot of sources so a lot of the sources that I quote you know, there Ramb- are a lot of like there are bonds and some of the weird sources like Morisha of Moshe uh, of or provincial, so you know, some of those sources I got from him and I was able to like track them down. Well,
0: wow. and provincial is not weird.
1: As I'm saying it's not a source that most people would be familiar with. If you're looking into the topic, you wouldn't think that like you're gonna see what the word truffin means by looking in
0: sources of provincial. Yeah, he's I, yeah, the tubas were printed by Muhammad Shalayim and they were just reprinted recently. Yeah. They're not super yeah, I got it. They, 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 you know. mm-hmm.
1: so, so so some people say that um this Rav Rafkhania was, was was some sort of skill, but in his time and place in Italy it's very hard to exactly define what's a maskil. Italian Rabbanim had, had their own way of looking at things it doesn't necessarily line up with us. But
0: yeah, yeah, I've know, I,
1: I used his safer, you know?
0: Yeah, I've, I've touched on Italians on, on, the, on the show before and I plan on Amit Hashem, touching on them more. They're, they're very different. Uh, people shouldn't, you know, obviously draw conclusions, hard conclusions with the word masculine, just paint to the broad brush. Exactly. So, you know, he, has a, he also has a safer. This is interesting to me because
1: I'm a, I consider myself a linguist. So he has a safer called Safa Ahas, where he goes through all the words in Lashon and Mishnah and tries to show that they're related to words in biblical Hebrew. Like that's a, a, another overlap between you know, my work and his work.
0: Interesting. Were there any other sfarim like his that before yours that really went through the topic thoroughly or not that you found? I mean, if you look at my
1: book, so I, I heavily cite from what I call the Slabodka School of Tanakh. We have um, a, a, lot of, a lot of what I say is based on with Isaac Sher and Likute Sichus Muser and there's Rishanem in where he talks about the, the era of Tanakh. So, a lot of what I, what I, what I talk about is based on that. I don't think everything they say and not everything I say comes from them, but there's a lot of parallels. Um, people who read uh, Reverend Victor Miller's history books in English may be familiar with that approach because Reverend Victor Miller was also a prophet of Slobaka. He also made that approach more famous. You know, there's there's the Chazanish who takes up a different approach. He's much more literal than than the Slabodka school. He, he he wants to say things that like you know if it doesn't say it explicitly in the Psukim or in Chazals, then you can't say that you know that was the historical reality. As opposed to the Doros and Rav Isaac Sher, you know they'll 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 come up with a way of explaining the narrative based on deduction or based on you know, more svaras through logic as opposed to taking everything literally and, 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 and saying it like that i actually had a long talk with my rishishila in, in and yishuv los angeles very gross about the difference between the hazanian and and the, the slobodka approach and he he basically said that, you know we go like the, the slobodka approach we don't go like the hazani so
0: but i'm curious and and i'm sure the listeners would like to hear so so for me um, you know I read look at the book people that haven't seen the book how do you deal with you take the Slabotka and the Brivigda Miller, there is Rishayinim, so the real from history approach in Chazanesh. And then you, on the other hand, you have maskilim and you have non, non-Jewish sources. How do you like blend that all together into this book? Like, how does that work? I go through,
1: I go through the topic. I see what I think is most, makes the most amount of sense. What really fits in with the and what really fits in, that makes sense logically. And I put everything else in the footnotes. <laughs>
0: Aha, now here. hear. Um, okay, it 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 sounds good. And it definitely, um, okay, who who? you have some askamas on the book. Are there any other, like, who gave you askamas? Was there any other rabbinim or that you know that read it, that ain't it? Like, what's the? Um, well,
1: with askamas, I have Aaron have Lepiansky, Rabbi Yitzhak Breitowitz, um, Rabbi Zev Leff. And then in the back, I had a askama from, Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein, who's like very involved in the like interfaith dialogue and stuff like that. We have from, uh, I don't remember, oh, Rabbi Dr. Tzvi Ron, who is a rabbi in Yeshivat HaKotel, who is also the editor of the Jewish Bible Quarterly. Uh, I've gotten a lot of different book reviews. I can't remember all of them offhand. From, from like random people. There's a guy, um, there's a rabbi, uh, Raymond Apple, who was a big fan of my book. He lives in uh, he used to, he used to be like the chief rabbi of Australia. And he wrote he, he wrote a, a, a review of my book in the, in the Jerusalem Post. Um, I'm trying to remember who else who else found it and who else I'm, was I'm
0: interested like, in it. I'm curious, I'm curious if you like to tell the listeners who who do you who do you? Who are you trying to gear the book towards? And since it's been published, it's been like two years. Who do you? What the feedback? Who do you? Who, who is really bored? Who's enjoyed it? I'm curious. Like, what type? You know, what would you say?
1: Um, I, I, I try to, I, I, I try to cast a wide net and name it as, to as many people as I can. Which is why, like, you know, I don't write Yehoshua. I write like Joshua and write like Moses instead of Moshe, so that. Even even somebody who did not necessarily grow up with the same Jewish type of education that I did would understand it and appreciate it, but also a yeshiva guy would, would also appreciate it. So I try to, you know, a, a lot of Hebrew people also are were sort of found it useful to, to get, get a basic overview of Tanakh and things like that. So I, I think that there's, there's a wide range of people who find, find it interesting. I don't know if any real academics would find my book interesting but the pseudo academics they
0: would find it interesting right I, I, yeah I agree with both your books on that I think I think your book is like the interesting middle ground where Dash are definitely I mean you' tell I've been talking to you but I as far as dash office are definitely from and you you' like you're saying you're trying to mix in some academic and some other stuff so it's not something I'll just say this it's not something that Art school would publish because of the subject matter and some things that maybe you quote here and there but it's something that you know, it's, it's solidly a, a, a from hashgraphic type of book i, I just i'm just I, i'm just clarifying mentioning all of this because the topic is interesting and the title is interesting and people might be listening might be like well i don't know about this book like no it's not like you know they shouldn't think that
1: No well, again like i said before you know, the rub of the rub of the book the overwhelming majority is took gamara's midrashim and once in a while i'll mention you know, some 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 funny theory that a uh, that Some professor or whatever had that might be relevant to the discussion at hand, but most of the most of it is you know, Gamora, Midrashim, Mishneh, some Machrayim, you know, some a little, little of a, so a little bit of you know that type of that type of stuff. But that's that's definitely the focus.
0: Right. I'm trying to think of. There's a couple. Obviously, so
1: the, what, what, what I mean? one of the things I like to say is that the difference between mosaic press and art scroll. I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but <laughs> the reason the Mosaica Press and art school is that with art school, there's always one pshat. And with Mosaica Press, there there can be a sort of spectrum of, of acceptable pshatan.
0: Yeah, they let through. I own a lot of Mosaica Press and stuff. They let through a lot more in the editorial process. They leave in certain things and people can check out the books. But but what I do want to say is that the book is obviously very Nagea now. Rembringini and Boratius, a lot of ways are going on. Um, I don't know if you wanted to point out any specific examples. I thought it was very interesting. You have a couple of interesting uh, opinions on the Trophim, which are coming up. We're not there yet, obviously, um, depending, I guess, when someone hears the show, but as when we're recording this. Um, Niveni, you want to talk about that? You want to talk about uh, some examples? In the previous yeah, article. the
1: Trophim thing, it, it, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, it, it comes up in Pirkei de Beliezer, and it comes up in the Pirushir Keh, so the Hasidic Ashkenaz had this whole very interesting thing. I guess it's sort of based on the Pirkei de Beliezer, it was like, it was like taking a head of a dead person and using it to speak. I, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't know what to make of it. I just report what it says. I, you know, I gave shirum on the. If you go online, you could find Shurim that I gave on the entire Pirkei DeRabbi Elazar, 112 episode podcast. And I, in the, in the, in the relevant chapter in Pirkei DeRabbi I talk about what the Talmud were and the different shitas, and you could go through different ways that different and bring it. What person says, like it was a red man, the head of a red person. Like, what does that even mean, a, a red person? Uh, some interesting things like that. Uh, you
0: want me to mention specific interesting parts of the book? I I don't know you, mentioned, the, you mentioned something. Somebody holds a sheet to a and The holds, there were like a, a kept a tie like, like a clock, a watch, or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I don't.
1: I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure if that's right or not. I, I, it could be that I'm misunderstanding some sort of nuance. Mm. Um, I forgot exactly the wording but it was something more, more, I don't remember exactly the wording Eben Ezra brings it down um, if I can find it quickly
0: uh, we, can, we can pause it and get back to it
1: Ibn Ezra in Parshish Vayetze it says that it's a copper instrument that's used to know the the segments of hours. So I assume that there's some sort of sundial or a clock or something like that. I don't, I don't understand. I just, that's what Vanessa said, so I, I put it down as a sheet
0: Interesting. Are there any other um, like opinions, like in Boratius, that you wanted to mention or any other parts of uh, that stick out to you or something really novel, interesting that you came across or no? I don't know. I mean, you
1: know, most famous, the most famous of it is Zohar Tanakh is probably the ball. Right? That's probably the most famous of it is our own okay, Maybe Molach. If you only learn Chumash, then maybe But if you, if you learn Tanakh as a whole, then the Baal is probably the most famous. But in in if, you, if you look at like history and archaeology, we actually know a lot about the Baal. Because there's, 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 a, there's a place that they called, called Ugarit. It's an ancient city in modern-day Lebanon. It's very close to where you know, Izebel comes from in the... Up north, and, and I mean it's not much near near Sidon but it's, it's up north in that in that general vicinity. And there they have tons of writings about you know their Avodah Zarahs and their mythology and things like that. And Baal was the main god that was worshipped over there. So, so we, we, we we know a lot about Baal from that, and we and we know and we know that it came from there because in Tanas you see that Baal and Sefer Shoftim, the Jews ended up worshiping Baal because of the the influence of the Canaanim. And these people up there in, in modern-day Lebanon, they were—I they, assume—they were Canaan, because Canaan, the, the Canaan's 1st son, was named Sidon, and Sidon is not Eretz Sidon is, is north of Eretz modern-day Lebanon. And when it says that Ahav married Izevel, so she was a princess that comes from Sidon, from that area. She's the one who import who imported the, you know, the worship of Baal, like you know, these things that they, they come up in history, they come up in archaeology, like. It's, it's very interesting to like put them all together and like see how it works so the Baal came in this time because of Shoftim because of the Canaanim that lived in Eretz Saul. At the time of Melachim it came because of Ahab and you know, then it threw and, and ended up in Machlus Yehuda And you know, the rest is history as they say you, you, You'll find Baal is like a weather god or a rain god you know, that, that, That's the way you see it in the, in, in the sources Okay, there's the and that say that it's a sun god or a mar- or it represents Mars. You know, these these type of details don't really make too much of a difference.
0: So, so what do you go into in the book? Like, how do you? So, what do you just discuss? Like, who it is? Like, what do you focus on? When you talk about it hashgraphically?
1: Yeah, well, like when the Kuda is that, like you know, like I mentioned before, like you know, try to show how you know, it's its equivalent is in other in other cultures. You have like in, in Babylonian, so you have Bel. If you learn Daniel, one of the one of the, God was was Baal, right? He even he even gave Daniel the name Baal Shetzar, right? Belt Shetzar. Sorry, Belt Shetzar. He gave Daniel a nickname, Belt Shetzar, which was a reference to the name of his God, Baal. Right? So if you look in the sources, you see that the Baal in Pavel equals Baal in Canaan, in Canaan. You know, if you if you look at, if you make thematic connections, you can see how it really lines up with Zeus in Greek mythology and Jupiter in Roman mythology, Thor like in Thursday in Germanic mythology, it's like all, all these things. Like you can see the big picture. And you see how everything actually stems. Like you can understand what was going on in the ancient world a little bit better.
0: Right, which is... You can
1: have a better appreciation.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's exactly what I wanted to get to. So why, what, what's your, uh, not selling book, but why, why should someone read the book? Someone say, well, I don't care. We, we, like, we touched on before. Chazal got rid of a We don't have this anymore nowadays. Why should I learn about Avediz Why, it's a ter- bad thing. I don't want to hear. What, what's your, why should somebody pick up this book and read this book? What are they going to gain from it? I never said they should read it. I said they should buy it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but seriously... If, if a person is interested in history from a traditional perspective, you know, so so that, that, that's one nukuda. You know, it, it, if you have a natural curiosity, so you know, this this can help you with your curiosity in a kosher way. That's one, one point. Another point is that there are definitely Muslim lessons to learn from a you know, I'll give an example. You know, Chaim talks about how the, the whole concept of Balpa'ar was that a person is gonna you know, take down all restrictions and do whatever they want? And you will I lost the, the term that I'm thinking of. But you just all your inhibitions, you know, throw it away and do whatever you feel like doing. Right? That's one of the hallmarks of the Vedzara, especially Balpa'ar. So when you, when, you, when you look at it and say like, oh, that's what Balpoar was about, you can in a way you can appreciate what Yiddishkeit is about. It's like, what's Yiddishkeit coming to? Obvious. Coming to tell. The whole point of Yiddishkeit is to say, like, don't do a Zarah, don't do like what they were doing. So, in order to understand what they were doing and, and appreciate what the Torah is highlighting for us, you, you have to look at what they're doing and see, we're not doing that. You know, their, the whole idea of, of Baal Pa'ar was there are no boundaries. Like the, the Rashi in Misachus Avedit Zarah says that Baal Pa'ar, they, they worshipped it inside the Mechitza and outside the Mechitza. Right? There's a Russian innovative czar that says that. Right? So, so th- that, that's balpar. So, 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 what's the Torah's lesson by, by demonizing balpar? It's coming to say, no, you have to have boundaries. Like, these type of things, yeah, this type of, when, when, I, when I first wrote my book, so I actually sent it to Aaron um, Lapiansky, I sent him a manuscript, and you know, I asked him for before I was asking him for HaSkoma, Asked him, you know, what does he think about it? What, what, is this a worthwhile pursuit? And he, one of the things that he didn't like about my book, actually, was that he said that I was confusing Musr with history. A lot of these Vartlach from Rav Isaac share you know, what were people thinking? What, what, what drove people to do certain types of things? So he, he felt that I was, I was confusing what was said in the context of trying to get people to do to and, to and to do the proper thing. And I'm confusing that with like historical facts and like what actually happened and whatnot. You know, it's one thing to take a post look and, and try to use that to inspire somebody, but it's another thing to take a puzzle look use it to inspire somebody and then you'll know, retroactively say, and that is exactly what happened. So, I don't know, I, you know, I just bring the sources, I put it together, I tried afterwards to, to, to sort of make it a little bit more clear, you know, what's a Muslim and what's more of a historical observation. I, I, you know, I think there's only one, one truth, and if, if it's true on a Muslim level, it has to be true also on a historical level as well. And otherwise, you know, you're, 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 your Muslim word is based on something that's not even true. So hmm. I think everything has to really stem together.
0: What,
1: okay.
0: what do you think about that? I, I'm not a balde on this. I, I hear you. I was going to throw in before you're talking about a Yiddish guy like a, you have a, the Rambam about uh, the famous, I don't know, controversial, whatever, the Rambam that talks about uh, Carbonas similar thing right? yes. so that, it's a little bit of that cheetah. similar it sounds similar to me without being an expert in, in in this um okay so so i want to get back to the uh kind of encyclopedia you were calling in the back where you talk about in the back of the book all the different uh videsara, which is also something very interesting very interesting. yeah like i guess i also not someone's learning tanakh it's very helpful and they could see what what it is what they're reading about what they're uh, learning about so what what was what went in what, was, what research went into that into like compiling a list of all that veda and tanakh and what kind of what, what do you do there and what kind of like sources do you bring in are you bringing in any from non-jewish archaeological what's that yeah, so so if, if people are uncomfortable with the more
1: academic sources that's going to be more in the encyclopedia section of the book than in the first part of the book. But even even the encyclopedia part you know it's it's mostly mafarshim mostly you know, ressha and a lot of Gomaras you know the Gomaras talk about what what were the different shapes of the Aved, of, of the different Avedizaras zaras, that the people imported into Shomron by uh, by the king of Ashur, you know, what were those? What were the shapes of those different abodes? Gemara talks about it, Rishonim talk about it. A lot of it is is you know simply Gemara, Rishonim, and there is a book that I did um, that I that I used a lot in this section. It's called I mean besides Bamos Bal, it's called uh, the Dictionary of Demons and Deities. So that's an academic work. And, you know, that academic work pointed me to different academic articles and different things to, to look up and to search out. So a lot of stuff came from that. And a lot of stuff came from simply, you know, just looking at Googling names and then and, and seeing if I found anything interesting. And then, you know, following the references on, let's say, Wikipedia and, you know, Google Scholar and things like that and trying to come up with specific uh, points.
0: Very interesting. So... I, I kind of touched on this before, but what, like, have you gotten any reaction from, like, what's the, to the book? Obviously, it's uh, two years old. Like, what, have you heard people like it, didn't like it, read it, or? So, I'm curious.
1: So, I mean, like I said before, that, you know, before I published the book, Rabbi Lopiansky had this tina on it, about the history in Musser. But in the end, he did give me a haskama, so I think that I sort of allayed his, his his issues with it, or maybe he just gave up on me, I don't know. Uh, after the book came out, I, the truth is, I really haven't gotten so much feedback from this book. Um, like, I did more, I got more, much more feedback on my Lashon Kaddish book, but I really haven't gotten so much feedback on this book. I have actually gotten, this is very interesting, I, I guess because of this book, I somehow became, like, the expert in Avaita Zara, and I've been getting emails, like, halakhala ma'isa questions about Avaita Zara, like, you know, a Bala's who was involved in archaeology, she wants to know if she if she has to destroy, you know, if she, she had um something that she might have thought was a was a bottle idol. So you know, does she have to destroy it or not destroy it? And different things like that. Which really has doesn't really have to do with my book. My book is not talking about Halakhala but I keep getting emails, la questions about a bad but someone sends me a picture of like this whole I don't even know what it was. It looks like some sort of hanger or something that he sent me that he inherited from like his mother or something. wasn't from, and he thinks that it might have to do with some sort of Indian of Inazara, and he wanted to know if he's allowed to keep it or not. I'm like, I don't know. I tried to research it. I couldn't figure it out. I don't know. I'm like, some of these things you can figure out. Some things it's very hard to figure out. People ask me about shaituls and about Hinduism. You know. I, I, so I, I become like a, a, a some sort of plastic on on Avinu just today I, I got a call from a Rav and Kieret He was asking me about uh, there, there's a girl who wants to who wants to read some sort of book that talks about the different Greek gods. But she wanted to know if it's mutter or not. Uh, so you know I, I told this Rav and Kieret that know there, there's a Rav The Rav Misha says that, that the person who wrote the book is about an academic who is teaching about about the Greek gods. I said that, the guy who wrote the book doesn't really believe in these gods. He's just, he's just doing it from a historical, neutral observation. He probably even ridicules it in some ways. So you, know, you don't have to be cheshesh that reading this book about, you know, about these uh, Greek gods is going to push a person in that direction. Uh, the, the, uh, most, of, most of the feedback, you know, that, that, that's most of, most of the interactions that I've had with people that came from this book. Uh, direct feedback on the book, most people just keep asking me, when's volume two coming out? What's happening with volume two? That's that, that that's what the what, what most of the feedback really is.
0: So what? So you do allude to volume two a number of times in the book. What is volume two supposed to be about and what's the story with it?
1: Okay. So what's the story? Let, let's start with what's the story with it. So I've actually learned the hard way that you make more money writing other people's books than you do making your own book. So because of that, I've been spending a lot more time you know, helping other people Write, the, write their books, writing, editing, research, um, ghost writing. I can't tell you about that, but I've been doing some ghost writing also. Um, I, can't, I can't really give you too many details. But, so I, I, I've really been doing a lot of that type of stuff. I actually have some other interesting projects I'm working on. But so basically volume two is, is years off. I'm, I'm slowly, very slowly working on it. I haven't really done much since, since this whole corona thing started. But Volume 2 is, is, is very slowly coming along. It'll be a few, at least a few years before Volume 2 actually comes along. The most recent thing I did for Volume 2 actually was deleting an entire chapter that I wrote. So, so, so I'm, I'm pruning it. I took an entire chapter that I wrote about what you were mentioning before about the Rambam's opinion in Mardavuchim, about the reason behind korbanus. You know the, the Rambam says that the whole purpose of Korbanus and possibly other mitzvahs as well to help win the Jewish people away from it as well. so I wrote a whole article about it. And the truth is that it's really going to be tangential to what I'm focusing on in Volume Two. So I decided to delete that entire chapter, and I'm going to publish from the book at from Volume Two, and publish it as a separate article. So I recently submitted it to a journal, and we'll see what happens to it. What? what? Um, what, so what yeah. yeah. What? What is Volume Two supposed
0: to be about? Oh, yeah. oh so what is Volume
1: Two? So so volume two, if volume one focuses on the history of Avaidizara, so volume two focuses on the struggle between Avaidizar and Judaism from a more theological or philosophical perspective. It's not focusing on the history, it's more focusing on the ideas behind Aveidazara versus the ideas behind Yiddishkeit, which I think is more interesting to some people and less interesting to other people. Um, you know, we talk about some of, what were the different, you know, in, in, in Volume 1, we talk about how Avodah was established in the time of Enosh. In Volume 2, we're going to talk about what were the different ideas floating around in the door of Enosh that led to the establishment of Avodah There's a famous Rambam about it, in the beginning of Hafez Avodah there's a Joshua Saran, there's other opinions also. So that's like one of the one of the major themes that we talk about in, in in volume twelve, what what's the idea behind the Vedas like? What were they thinking? You
0: know, mm-hmm. another idea is like, does the Vedas work or not? It's a very controversial question. Iran, well, yeah, famous Iran Yeah, so yeah, you you think it's a Iran I actually. I mean, he I actually. He, wait, he I I learned in there. I learned Iran. He does say that it could be comes from somewhere else, but he definitely talks about it so, clearly so,
1: so I, I used to go to shiurim, um, one of the private shiurim from, from Ramesh Shapiro. That's all. And one time Ramesh Shapiro was talking about how uh, Avayda is mamish FS, there's nothing to it, and it's sheker, and it doesn't do anything. And I very sort of meekly piped up, I have a recording of this, I piped up and I said, well, what, what about the Ramban that says that Avayda that actually could bring the desired results? And like his face, like turned, like I don't know what he was, like about to kill me or something, saying something so heretical. And he says, "There's no such ramban. How can you? How can you say that in the name of the ramban? If you ever say such a thing again, I'm going to make you find this ramban and stand up here in front of everybody and read me the ramban because the ramban doesn't say that." And then I'm like, "Okay, fine. But at least the drushas Suraan seems to say that." He's, he's, so he 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 disagreed and he said that no that, that well, I'm going to also try to develop his approach which really comes from uh, Or Yahu, the name of Abba Brisker actually um, where where he says where, where he says that V'rizara really doesn't work but when a person puts himself in a situation that he's meshubad to certain forces so that creates a reality for himself that it could work that that he that that he's relying on those forces and 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 those forces really do have powers over him but 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 ultimately it's it's all just in in his imagination and really what is there doesn't work which it's sort of it's it's like i'm not
0: sure exactly how to understand it's somewhat of a catch-22 but we're gonna one of the things we talk about in volume two (laughs) Yeah, this Dresha Saran, I think it's, is it, it's in the beginning, Josh Dalit? Hey, do you know, remember exactly? I don't remember where, where it yeah, is. I don't remember
1: exactly. No,
0: he, just, he says it sort of twice in the safer. So. Yeah, he essentially kind of says that, obviously, why were people bowing down? They weren't just bowing down to sticks and stones. It didn't make sense. It's not exactly what happened. Um, we should ask Rupshnei Burton about it, because he, uh, he, he worked for, on Articles, uh, Dresha Saran. I wonder why, he, maybe he should do a, one of his podcasts about this. It's Article maybe- translated Josh Saran? Oh I guess, you, yes. Article translated volume one. They did half of Joshua Saran and Ripshneir was the reader on it. So he was actually involved with the project. Um, and so we, maybe I should give him, it's, it's, a, it's a good topic I did for his podcast. This is not really the theology podcast. Um, this is more the history and the Svarim. But it it's, that, that I, is. Very, that's very funny. W- when did this come out? I believe last year. I believe last that's so funny week. i'm so i'm so out of it arm chatter yeah the new uh dresser uh, it's a very interesting thing i i my understanding is apparently at least what i could see and this is i don't think it's a conspiracy theory but obviously i'm saying this without like direct knowledge per se um is someone approached them to do this this is not like a hot seller that you want to translate dresser Iran. this is like an odd kind of thing to translate you know uh, uh, did,
1: did they finish translating Shav schmeitzer yet
0: it's, I, again, again, it's a hashkafic it's thing. It's, it's a funny thing to translate just around. It's not funny, and it's damn because there already was the Masada of Cook has an excellent edition with a whole beer on the bottom. If you, if oh you uh, yeah, yeah,
1: from you, Professor and Rutgers,
0: what? Remember, Captain, it's from Captain Ellenbogen. What are you talking about? Oh, the the, the Nuslach is from the Professor. Oh yeah, 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 from, from 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 yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leon that. Feldman. Yeah, So his edition has actually, we'll, we'll get some from farm chat here. People listening. So his edition just around. Was actually the original one with notes. Mosad Kuk Cook took his edition with his basic Maramakaimis and then they added Rabbi Katzanel and Bogan's period, which is very nice. But you should know that Feldman's uh, Drush Saran has been reprinted last year by by uh, Vagshal, by Mosnayim Publishing. They re- laser types of the whole thing, and I noticed he has different notes, different explanations in there than Mosad Kuk. Cook. So Mosad Cook only took He's like Mario McCramey because they didn't take what he says. And some of the stuff that he says is not in the Mossad of Cook one. So I own both. Long story short, because they're totally different. And he was the classic one. But and I, think, I, think, I think Mossad of Cook even published like a one was Nikudis and no peerish. I have no idea why like Just Around became this. I, I, people don't really, look, I, whatever. Very important, safer, but it's not like thing that people like need. With I, I don't get it. But okay, that's not the focus of the show is not George Saran. But, but uh, yeah, people I, I, people want to look. I don't remember where it is. I, it's in somewhere in the beginning of the Safer. I know I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on this. So what are, okay, so that's the whole last thing. Is there anything else you would recommend? Oh, so other things in, in, in volume two.
1: Um, another thing that I'm working on for volume two is I'm trying to come up, a, a big idea, like I'm trying to come up with like a definition of a Like What, how, how would you explain what is a Vedasara? Interesting. So, Putting together a lot of different mafarshim and trying to come up with something that like everybody, the, the Ramban would agree with and the Rambam would agree. Like there's a book from a uh, from, from a philosopher called, named uh, Moshe Halbertal called Idolatry. So he the way he sets it up, there's like there's like five different conflicting definitions of a vidazar in the Rishonim. He has like the Kuzari is one definition, the Rambam is one definition, the Ramban is one definition. I'm trying to come up like what's the tzadda shaba Amongst all of them that we could say, like, okay, this is what a Varizara is. And one of the ideas that I'm that I'm being inclined towards is that the definition of a Varizara is when a person grants the Qaycha elements that don't have such a power. Whether it's a force that exists and Hashem uses it to to bring Shafa into the world, like like the more mystical rishonim would go with, or whether it's something that doesn't even exist at all. Whatever, whatever exactly this thing that you're granting bechira to is, but I, the, the 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 basis of a is that you're saying that something has the ability to make decisions other than Hashem, more or less. And man, man also has limited bechira, and Hashem has absolute bechira. All these types of the attra- attributing independent powers to like the forces of nature, mazalas, idols, things that exist, things that don't exist, things like that. You know that I consider. That, that that I think is the the, the most basic definition. And we also talk. I'm also going to talk about using intermediaries to worship Hashem. You know, angels, chayim, kozirishevahs, etc. I don't yeah. know how much of this stuff is going to actually make it into the final book. These are
0: things that I'm sort of exploring. So different, different. Gotcha. So. Yeah guess as we wrap up over here, so so what you you alluded to some other research projects they were focusing obviously on. By the way, before before we uh, finish, I would say that your, your book on Lashon I uh, read most of it is a very good book, and that's something that Miriam will, will get to a, a different. Uh, it requires its own show. But what about some other research uh, topics, some other things that you're personally, you know, personally researching and looking at you know looking at?
1: So one of the things I do is I write a weekly column, a uh, weekly articles on about synonyms in Lashon I take you know two at least two words two groups of words or so and I compare them and say oh they seem to mean the same thing and I try to explain oh you know, in in what ways are they different and Sinderdoffin and I've been writing this weekly column for about almost five years now it goes on the Orsabach website every week it's also syndicated in the Jewish Press and in the Times of Israel so you know, that's something that takes up a lot of my not a lot of my time but it does take up time working on these weekly articles about synonyms. Um, my day job, my first day job, is I'm working for uh, in conjunction with Eisav and Rabbi Tzvi Davis. I'm working on the Mishnahayes She'arim pro- project, project, which is basically it's it's sort of like a Masifta Gemara, but it's on Mishnahayes. We're we're doing. We're, we're, it, it, uh, you're familiar with Rabbi Tzvi Davis's work. He, he wrote a commentary on the Mishnah called called Mamma So so now he's he's trying he's trying to build it into a whole comprehensive, safer about everything that's related to the Mishnah, going from, you know, the Bavli and the Rishalmi and the Rishenim all the way down to the Shulchan and the Halakhul HaMaisa that comes out of the Mishnah. So I'm working on this project in the morning for uh, Rav Tzvi Davis and Ezra Hader. I'm right now in Tifarayin and Vamas. That's, my, that's my first Seder with this Mishnah Yisharim project. I also work for something called the Viram Foundation, that I spend mostly in the afternoon the, the Ramana Foundation for Biblical Etymology is founded by Yeshua Steinberg who lives in Palllstone and is actually a retired colonel in the US Army he was a chaplain and he used to go around the world looking at Kit a very interesting fellow and he's what, what, what he's what he's trying to do is he's trying to understand Russian British focusing on the concept of Sharashem his flagship project of the Ramamana Foundation is what's called the Yalkut Sharashim, which is sort of like an encyclop- half encyclopedia, half Kibbutz uh, Mufarshim of all the Sifri Sharashim. So I was working on that for a few, for a few years with him. Uh, it's going to have like the Radak, Sifri Sharashim of the Radak, Sifri Sharashim of Ibn Janakh, Machbaras Menachem, um, which I edited a new version of, 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 of a new edition of Machbaras Menachem. Based on unprinted, um, the un- unpublished edition of Professor Badillo from Harvard, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Menachem
0: Benjanach uh, Ibn Chiyuj. Edited one second. You edited the for Who? To publish? To publish? Like to publish it? Yeah, for this for this project. So, uh, so also
1: the, the Sfarim from Shlomo Pappenheim, Yeriyah Yir- Shlomo, and Cheshik Shlomo. So I, I, I helped I helped fix up the Cheshik Shlomo. Mereshet Israel. Really put out a new edition of Cheshiv Sema, but I set it up to work with our uh, with our Yalkut which is also going to have like charts and different um, different summaries and stuff like that. So I, I did a lot of work for the Yalkut Shurashim for the Mono Foundation, and then I also did Rabbi Steinberg has his own essays on the on the Parsha that I helped him edit and work with. But right now I'm actually doing a very interesting project, which is related to my weekly articles the first safer on Shemus what, what what's the first safer written on and Nardofim? You know?
0: You're calling me on the spot.
1: Just to put you on the spot, yeah. Why should you know? Because you, you're not holding the top I'm holding my machine on the topic, but the, the the first one was really um, with Avram Bader, see, was a sefer called Chesam Tachnis. The second one is actually named Shlomo Meir Bino. Shlomo Meir Bino wrote a safer, it was also Italian, it almost... He's an Italian, almost a Rishan. Um His sefer, Ohel Mo'ed, is on synonyms where he goes through groups of synonyms in Tanakh. Unlike most of the Sfar written on Shemus and so he actually holds that there are synonyms in Tanakh. You know, Chaz and Tachnes, Samal Bin, the Grah, the Rav Wertheimer, they're always trying to show what the difference between synonyms are. And Rosh Hashem tries to say what the similarities between synonyms are. So I'm actually preparing a new edition of Rosh Hashem Sefer, Ohel Mo'ed, that's what I'm working on now in the, in the afternoons. And I'm doing also various editing, translating, sparring, ghostwriting, stuff like that.
0: Wow, so okay. that keeps
1: me busy and it, and it puts bread on the table. So.
0: Fascinating. So... so um... Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, very, very interesting. Anybody, obviously your book is available. I'll try to add a link into the show's description. Uh, Mosaica Press, uh, which is distributed by Feldheim. It should be available all over. Again, yeah, God versus God and Lashanakaydeh. If you
1: can't find the book, you can email me and you can order privately and oh, I can help
0: you, hook you up, you know? I'll, yeah, so I'll include your email also in the show's notes where you can be contacted at anybody. Feel free. They would like to reach out to you. They can send you an email, correct?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, thank you very much for joining all me. Right, I- thanks
1: for having me.